Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Week, this Christian concept of mutual submission. So last week we learned that the Christian is to be submissive uh, to governments and to their masters or their employers. And I think that's important. I don't know how much of a struggle we have with that, maybe especially to governments. I don't know of any in our church here. I don't know of any revolutionaries. Um, When it gets to masters, that can be a little more difficult, right? And um, the closer we get to us or the closer we get to home, uh, it's equally as important, but maybe a little more invasive. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right, Christian submission um, in our homes and in our church, that uh, the gospel transformed Christians submit to their spouses and to others in church. That's what we're going to look at this morning in 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 through 12. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to name names here, but on Wednesday, somebody asked me, um, and it was a he, he asked me, so what are we talking, you know, what are we studying this week? And I said, well, 1 Peter 3, and he said, what's it about? And I said, submitting to your spouses, and he said, yes! And, uh, and I said, uh, and he said, I was just joking. I know he was joking. But I said, I don't know if he heard me because I said, submitting to your spouses. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say to your husbands. Or, or, and so we'll see. This is Peter's principle here. You know, I think when it, it can be difficult for us because that word submission, it typically has a negative connotation to us, doesn't it? Like we don't want surrender necessarily. Uh, it's considered a bad thing. Submission might be considered. For me, it is, and this is my context. I just that word comes to mind when I, I remember when I was in the military uh, at the special warfare training group. They would teach us uh, what what's hand-to-hand combat, right? But the army calls it combatives. In the normal world, it's called Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And uh, they actually brought in one of the founders of that martial art, Rorian Gracie. He flew him in from California, and he would train us, right? And one of the things you do, um, it, it's a martial art where if the fight goes to the ground, which it usually does when you're fighting for your life, uh, it teaches you how to do things there. And um, one of the things that you try to do is, uh, at least in the practice realm, like as, as two United States soldiers, we're not trying to kill each other, we're just trying to practice, if that's ever the need, um, you try to do a submission, right, or cause the other person to submit, and, and what they might call it, in other words, is tap out, right? So you, you put their arm in a place where it's about to go out of joint, or you do that to their leg or hip, and um, they will tap out. They'll say, okay, you, you won or you put them in a chokehold, and it's called a submission when you're like, okay, I'm about ready to pass out, can't breathe, you win. All right, so yeah, that's a negative connotation. That, so when I think of submission, that's immediately what my mind is drawn to. That is not what God's Word is talking about, especially in the home <laughs> or in the church. Um, but do you see what, what I'm saying, that sometimes there's a negative connotation, and so we could just go, ugh, yeah, I don't really want to talk that. And... Um, That's not what God has for us here at all. In fact, Christ modeled submission for us. 
nothing negative about it. It's a very positive character quality for a Christian to have because it's what Jesus did for us. It's who Jesus was for us. Let's read uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 12. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Won't you pray with me? Father, as we look into your word this morning, we thank you for the gift that it is. And we ask your Holy Spirit to help us understand what you'd have for us here. Uh, even if it makes us uncomfortable, or I'd say especially if it makes us uncomfortable, uh, I pray that you would show us its truth and then help us to respond to it in a way that would glorify you and allow the gospel to be powerfully proclaimed, not just with our mouth, but with our lives. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in verses 1 to 7, the gospel of grace calls and empowers us to submit to our spouses. Um, First of all, he does. He addresses the wives. So wives, you are to submit to your husbands. He says in verse 1, likewise. So we have a continuation from last week where he said, make sure, Christians, make sure you submit to the government. Gospel transformed. Uh, followers of Jesus, they submit to the government. Then he said, likewise, ye servants, submit to your masters. Now he's saying again, likewise. So it's the same thing. He's saying submit uh, to your husbands. We'll deal with them first, and then we'll get to the husbands and what their submission looks like. So it says submit, which means to be in subjection and to, um, to arrange yourself or put yourself under. I think it's important that we understand that because it's a willful choice. Didn't say it was easy. Didn't say it was very natural for a person to do this. Doesn't matter if it's you to government, you to boss, you to husband, you to wife, you to each other here in the church. Uh, you know, without Christ, it's very unnatural. That's what the sinful, prideful man doesn't want to do is submit. All right, but with Christ, it's, it's not only um, possible, but he has commanded us to do this. So the gospel of grace calls us to do this, and it empowers us to submit to our spouses. And it's a willful choice that we make. It might be a willful choice we have to make every morning or throughout the day, but it's a willful choice we put ourselves under. Um, now listen, just like last week, as far as government and as far as uh, your boss, there's no mention here whatsoever of worth. He doesn't say, uh, you need to submit because you're not as worth, worthy as, as your husband. Doesn't say that about husbands to the wives. Doesn't say that about government. All right, there's nothing about value here. Uh, what the Bible does tell us is no, that you're equal in worth. 
All right, you're uh, different in work. You're equal in your position. You're different in God's design practice for you. All right, uh, let me show you an example of what that looks like, even in our theology. All right, we have one God and three persons, right? God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Are they equal in worth? 100%. Yes, they're equal in worth. That's what God tells us. But in their practice, in their roles, the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus and the Father. He does their will. Jesus, while he was here, and even now, uh, he does the Father's will. He submits to the Father. All equal in worth, but different in practice. So even, even in our theology, we have the God who we say we worship and the Christ who we say we follow. This is how they operate. And of course, if we're going to be followers of him, this is what, how we are to operate as well. Now, the question is, in this day and age, really? Submit to my husband. That's what you want me to do. Uh, isn't that a little archaic? I mean, yeah, Paul's talking, and Peter is talking to, um, you know, first century Christians. That was their culture. We're in a different culture now. Well, here's the thing. Culture may change. The word of God doesn't. Amen? Word of God doesn't. Uh, it still applies. And so uh, what I do want to, before we go on, and we'll see the purpose, all right, that's the principle there, but what is the purpose behind this principle, this command? Uh, before we do that, I just want to, for a short minute here, uh, dismiss the idea that God's word ever, because it's an accusation that's made it against it, that God's word and God has a low regard for women. I mean, I've heard people tell me that when we've been discussing things, especially at college campuses and things like that. I don't see how you could get that from God's word. And let me give you just three instances of that. We'll start with Jesus' resurrection. He rose from the dead. On that morning, who were the first people to see the risen Savior? Mary Magdalene and Mary. When, honestly, in a court of law at that time, wouldn't even, their witness wouldn't even been heard. And God could have picked anybody. Jesus could have picked anybody to reveal himself to. He picks Mary and Mary Magdalene. I think he has a high regard for women. Look at the incarnation. Let's go back further when Jesus was born. God we just saying, holy God became a man. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, put himself in a woman <laughs> for nine months, totally dependent on her. Do you think he has a high regard for women? I think so. And you know, mothers, it doesn't end there. You're totally dependent for quite a while after that. Let's go back all the way to the beginning, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Right? God created the sun and the moon and the stars. And on that day, he looked at it and he said it was good. He said it was good. He created um, the, the plants, and on that day, he said it was good. He created the little cute critters, and on that day, he said it was good. He created man, and on that day, he said it was good. But in Genesis chapter 2, we, we see God uh, look at Adam, and everybody else has a mate, and God says it is not good. First, not good ever. It was because there was no woman for Adam. All right, he says it's not good. So I'm going to make him a, a helper for him. That is a in strong word there. I, I got to read something. I, I'm thankful for Krista. She gave me a little uh, Bible study, kind of a, a printout of a podcast she listens to from Nancy Lee DeMoss, and I'd encourage you. She's a, a godly lady who has a great uh, ministry. But uh, they were talking there about how even as a Christian, uh, this lady struggled with that verse because she felt like, man, I'm just not, I'm just a helper. <laughs> You understand that? Like, maybe why should I, I, like, I'm just to help him, and that's all I am. I'm like assistant part, two, part B, you know, type of thing. Until she looked at the original language, and in, and in Hebrew, do you know what the word for helper is? It's Ezer, all right? Do you know who else throughout the Old Testament is called Ezer? God. 
Right, so man made in the image of God to be the leader of the home. Woman made in the image of God to help. Both of them made in the image of God in different roles and different things God is for us. It's God's perfect and wonderful design. So listen, I cannot understand how you can look at God's word and think that he has a low regard for women. In fact, anywhere Christianity has went, the status of women has been elevated. Because as long as you follow the gospel, this is the case. Because God loves us both, and we are equal in worth, but we're different in the work he has for us to do. Uniquely designed. I'm glad we're different in that way. So the purpose. What's the purpose? Well, we see that in the second part of verse 1, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 2. It says, look, you need to be in submission to your husband, because if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, conversation in the King James always refers to lifestyle, not it's just a word from back then that not talking about what we say, but what we do. And so what he's saying here is that uh, if you have an unbelieving husband, or I'd even say if you have a husband who is saved, but maybe isn't living for the Lord as best he could be, and you're frustrated by that, all right, the best thing you can do is submit to him because you are actually the word of God in action in his life. Do you understand what, the, what he's saying there? I mean, it's a powerful example there of the gospel, your submission to him. All right, a husband who is not saved or who is saved and not following Jesus will receive a powerful gospel message. He might come to know Christ. He might decide to follow the Lord because of your actions and you're willfully putting yourself under in submission. All right, um, Romans 10, 17 says, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's not contradicting this at all. And here's why I think uh, we can understand what Peter's trying to say here is in Hebrews uh, 6, 12, it says the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, quick means alive. So my question for you is, is it possible that some of the words being alive, its power to transform is in the life of an individual who will practice what they preach and who will walk like they talk and who will behave like they say that they believe? I think that's exactly what God is having Peter teach us here. All right, you know what? If you have an unsaved husband, if you have an unsaved wife, if you have a, a wife who's not living for the Lord, if you have a husband who's not living for the Lord, you, you'd like them to grow closer, pray for them, but live out the gospel to them. All right, and pre I'm not saying, it's not saying don't preach to them. He's just saying one of the best ways you can preach to them is through a life where you're obeying and you're submitting. All right, just as God has commanded us to do. All right, so uh, now the practice. He's going to give us a negative and a positive, like just one example. This isn't the, the end-all and be-all of what submitting to your husband will, will look like. It's just one example here. But I think it, it has an underlying principle that will apply to every situation, uh, even your particular one. All right, and that is uh, in verses 3 to 6. It says, who's adorning? Talking about the wives. Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. All right, so in that culture, it was really uh, cool and fashionable to have very elegant braids. He's not saying it's wrong to have elegant braids or to do your hair. All right, um, he's saying that shouldn't be like your primary focus, though. Right? He's not saying it's wrong to wear jewelry, uh, wearing of gold. If he was saying that either of those things were wrong, he was also saying that it's wrong to wear clothes. And that's not what he's saying, right? Because it says putting on of apparel. He's just saying that that shouldn't be your primary focus. You know what? That's beautiful, all right? Uh, and so he's saying not, not only an outwardly beautiful life, that's all great. Who doesn't want to look their best? But also an inwardly beautiful life, and that is what should be primary for the life of a believer. All right, uh, that we are to dress up, and what he's describing here is humility in verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. You know, gold fades. Clothes go out of fashion. Humility doesn't. 
submission doesn't. Uh, and he says, even the ornament, it's an ornament. When, you, when a wife will live this way, it is like she's dressed up. All right? Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. This is the highest fashion you can have. All right? it's, it's the most beautiful thing, is what God is describing here. All right? And so let's define this character quality that's essential to mutual submission, all right? humility. This is what he's presenting here. It's what he's going to present to husbands in a little bit and to all of us. Uh, and so this is what humility is. The best definition I've ever found is from Don Shula. Does anybody remember who Don Shula was? A couple of us older people, right? Coach of the Dolphins. They had a perfect season, one of the only times that's ever, I think the only time that's ever happened, right? But this is what he used to tell his players. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's humility. And isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? I mean, we, we just talked about that a couple weeks ago at communion, how on his last day on earth, he was like, I'm going to wash your feet because I want you to understand this is what I expect of my followers. I want submission. I want service. I want sacrifice. If you're going to follow me, this is what you need to do as well. I mean, that is Jesus. It's how Jesus lived, and it's how his followers are to live in service and sacrifice. All right, so that is an essential component of mutual submission, this, this concept that Peter's t uh, been talking to us about last week and this week. And so let me just define mutual submission for you. I think the best definition is from Andy Stanley, uh, Charles Stanley's uh, son. They got a church in, in North Atlanta. But he said, it is me using all of my time, all of my talents, all of my resources, for your benefit. That's what mutual submission is. If we can get that, that is the humility that we just have, has been described in verses three and five, three to five, and um, that, that's it. I, all of me for all of you. This is how Christians are supposed to live because this is how our Christ lived. This is what he did. All of me for all of you. So all of the jewelry, all of the fashion, really, it's of no value in comparison to living out the gospel in Christ-like humility. He's saying you need to adorn yourselves with this, like actually put it on, put on humility, put on all of me for all of you. Because Jesus, when we do that, people see Jesus. They look at that clothing and they see Jesus in our lives. Now, he gives us an example, too. He's pointed us to Christ, but he also points us to another Old Testament reference in verse um, 5. For after this manner in the old time... The holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. All the people in the Old Testament, uh, Peter's like, look back from Genesis to Malachi. When there is a woman who was a woman of God, she followed God. This is how she lived. All right. So, yes, look to Christ. But you can like for specific examples of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live. Look at all these women of faith. Uh, that's what he says. Holy women who trusted in God. Uh, verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, look, that's not an application you take home. And you don't need to go home tonight and say, from now on, I would like to be called Lord of the manor. All right, that, that is not what's being said here. But what is being said is, I recognize the role. I recognize your role as leader. I do. God's, God has placed you there, and he's placed me here. He has two different designs for us. And I submit, and we're going to see his, his submission as well, and our submission together but um, that, that's really, it's this type of submit. This is what he's saying here. I think it's especially key in verse 6. Where he says, whose daughters you are as long as you do well. He's really saying that, honestly, this is a proof of your following Jesus. You can say you follow Jesus, but if this is not part of your life and your life doesn't look like this humble submission uh, to your husband in this particular example, but to, to your boss and, and to the government and to each other, he's going to get there in a second. If it doesn't look like this, there's really no proof or evidence that you are following Jesus. 
That's what he says. Uh, Whose daughters ye are? If our father is Abraham, and then Sarah is our mother, and we are daughters of her if we are living this way, the same way she lived this life of faith. Now, husbands to wife, verse 7. And you're like, what? I got six verses and the man gets one? All right. It's pretty, there's a lot in this one verse. And honestly, verses 1 to 6, they apply to you too, husbands. If you have an unbelieving wife, you want to know how you can help her to come to Christ? Live out what he's about to describe. You want to know how you can help her uh, grow in her faith and, and live for the Lord? what he's about to describe, and you being humble and, and you submitting as he's going to describe. So look at verse 7. It says, likewise, that's the principle. It does not say, likewise, submit. But this is the third likewise. And what has he been talking about beforehand? Submission. All right, so again, this is how you submit, husbands. All right, we're not talking about a 50-50 thing. That's, that's not it here at all. The, yes, you are the leader of the home. That's God's design. But here's how you submit, and you do submit. You submit to God by living this way towards your wife. All right? So likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. They're honestly just talking about physical. Most, most of the time, all right, female gender is, is less strong physically than the male. All right? So as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. All right? There's a lot in this verse of what he's describing here. So that's the principle. Here's what your, your submission looks like. And now he's going to talk about the purpose, but I want to drop down. Um, really, really, the first purpose is in verse 1 and 2. If she's not saved, all right, she'll get saved. We have that back even in Paul when he describes this in Ephesians 5, and he's, he's telling wives, submit to your husbands. Then he focuses on the men. And he says, this is what you need to do, men. You need to love your wife even as Christ loved the church. That's heavy. How did Christ love the church? Died for it. All right. How did Christ love the church? Did he live a life of personal holiness? Yeah. I mean, he was holy so that he could die for our sins. Never sinned. Husband, that's how you love your wife. You live a life of personal holiness. Did he have complete devotion to God in his life? Yes, that's what Jesus did. That's how he loved the church and gave himself, himself for it. So, husband, you want, you want to love your wife as Christ loved the church? Then you have complete devotion to her. He... Did, did Jesus, when he was with his disciples, and even when he's with us, did he just come and meet us on Sunday and have a little lesson or anything like that? No, he's all with, he did life with his disciples, lived with them for, for three years. So husbands, you want to love your wife? You want to submit to your wife as God's describing here? Do life with her, you know? <laughs> and just come home and where's dinner? That's, that's not what he's describing here. He's describing an investment in love. Uh, immense patience, is that what Jesus does for his church? Does he not have immense patience with you and I? Where if we confess our sins, he's ready to forgive. There's one. Does he not generously uh, and genuinely forgive us, husbands? That's how we are to love our wives. Does he not sacrifice, as Daphne said, for us and serve us and protect us and provide for us? Husbands, this is how you are to submit and love your wives, as he's described here. And when you do that, whether she's, if she's not saved, there's going to be, she's going to see the gospel in action. If that is how Jesus loved his church and what drew you and I to him, when she sees that in your life, don't you think it will have the power to draw her to him? Yeah, this is God's design here. So not just her position and whether it's salvation or sanctification, but also it says your prayers in verse uh, 7 at the end. It says that your prayers be not hindered. Now look, man, if, if we're not loving our wives, if our submission doesn't look like this, when we pray, bonk, there's a ceiling. They never reach, they never reach the Lord, 
right, until we confess that sin and make it right. All right, that's what he's saying here, that your prayers uh, be not hindered. You know, and it's not just prayer, it's all that's implied in prayer. I mean, you might be like, well, whatever, I'm not really concerned about prayer. You understand, prayer is like God's presence. So husbands, if you're not living with, with the Lord, you really, you know, by, by submitting to your wife, you really don't have access to him, all right? Um, it's, if there's a separation you've caused there, not him, doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It just means there's a break in intimacy between you and your Heavenly Father. There's a break in your vertical relationship because your horizontal relationship isn't right. right? And the best way to resolve that is to resolve this by obeying what Peter is telling us here. And let's look at the practice. It says in verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Right? Dwell has the idea of continuous, uh, it has the idea of permanence. All right, so this is how, you, this isn't like, oh, wow, I'm having a really good day where I'm going to treat you like Jesus. No, I'm going to treat you like Jesus more often than not. It says, dwell with them according to knowledge, all right, meaning um, be considerate of them. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? Isn't that what mutual submission is? I will use all of my time, all of my talents, all of my resources for your benefit. That's mutual submission, and that's being considerate. Um, because she deserves honor. That's what he tells us. Giving honor to the wife, it's a subordinate clause of being considerate or of dwelling with them according to knowledge. This is how you dwell with them according to knowledge. You give her honor because she deserves honor. Just like we talked about a couple minutes ago, she is made in the image of God. He has made her unique. He hasn't made her like you. Are you glad for that? Amen, <laughs> right? He has made her a little different than you because he's made you to fit together. And so don't get frustrated by the way God has designed her. Thank him for it. All right, give honor unto her uh, because, because God, she is an image bearer of God. Have Christ-like love. If you struggle with that, try to think, what is God's view of her? All right, and then, and then respond to that. And also because she's an heir. Galatians 3, 26 to 28, Paul said, look, especially when you've come to Christ, they're all equal. There's no Jew and Gentile. There's no slave and master. There's no male and female. As far as your, your worth, you're all equal uh, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, we're all equal, all right? And because she's an heir, she's an heir of salvation. She's an heir of the grace that you've experienced, all right? So uh, now he's going to move on to submitting to each other. He's going to do a finally, that's our fourth likewise. It doesn't say likewise, but we're still in there, all right? And he says in verse 8, finally, all of you, all right, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion on one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, and be courteous. So the principle here is mutual submission to each other. Now, he's speaking specifically to the church, all right, and so mutual submission is applicable all. Maybe you've been like, I'm not married right now, so I'm not really worried about that. Uh, look, he's talking to the church here, and he's saying you need to submit to each other. Finally, all of you be of one mind. The Greek word for that is homophrones. It's where we get our English word for harmony. All right. Um, I, I wish I could sing parts. I can't do it. People have tried to teach me. But I love hearing when people sing parts like our choir does. It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, they're different voices, but they sound like one. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, be you all of one mind. You're not all the same. Thank God. All right. Male and female, you're different. Um, Jerry Padrick, different than Lewis. God's made us different. I'm so thankful for that. But he wants us to, in this mutual submission, when we live like this, we all are of one mind and we all have one voice and we're all singing together. We're singing the gospel of Jesus Christ when we live this way, when we submit this way. So that's the principle, not, not the same, but in unison all together. Now let's look at the purpose, and that's in, um, in verse 9 and 10. 
Right? It says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. So God's blessing is contingent or conditional on us submitting to one another. If we will submit, he will reward us. Right? If we obey, we receive his blessing. So that's a good purpose, right? Uh, it says in verse 10, for he that will love life and see good days, submit. Submit this way, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. So who doesn't, don't we want to do that? I mean, we want to live a good life. We want to live a long life. Now the world says you do it this way. The Bible has a very countercultural description. It's you submit to each other. When you do that, you're going to have a long life and see good days and have God's blessing on you. You also have God's presence in your life. Down in verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So God's presence in our lives is also contingent and conditional on us submitting to one another, as we've heard here, to governments, to masters, to our spouses, and to each other in the church. You know, we love God's promises so much. I don't know if you're you know, like me, like I'll claim one and I'm like, hold on to that. But we have to also love the promises that are like, look, if you want my blessing in your life and you want my, my presence in your life, at least a sense of it that's very real, you need to do this. That's the promise of God too. You know, we're saved by his unconditional grace, you know, through faith in him. But look, not all grace is, is unconditional. The Bible's full of conditional graces. Like if you want to grow closer to the Lord, what do you have to be in? His word. I mean, it's just not going to happen. All right? If, so if you want God's blessing and you want a real sense of his presence in your life, we have to submit like he's describing here. All right, let's look at the practice. He says in verse 8, be compassionate. All right, verse 8, having compassion on one another, love as brethren. We're a family. We are to love like we're brothers and sisters, all of us. All right? Um, we're to be pitiful. Like, you shouldn't be pitiful. You should be full of pity, all right? The idea there is you should be sympathetic and empathetic. I think it's, that's even stronger. It's more empathy. Like, man, I feel what you're going through, and I want to bear your burden. That's how I'm going to submit to you. Uh, it says you should be courteous. So compassionate, also courteous in verses 8 and 9. And look, this is a real format of, of mutual submission, uh, and especially, in, and we'll couple this, compassionate, courteous, and controlled. We'll, we'll look at verse 10 too. But verse 9 says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing. Jump down to verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his, his uh, tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. I, man, there is a lot of application in these four sections, government, masters, spouses, and each other. There's a lot of application to our tongue. So I'm guessing that the way that we don't submit most of the time is by what we say. Right, we talked about that last week in a come to Jesus meeting, right? <laughs> and how sometimes, most of the time when I've seen those, he isn't there. But they want, he, he will be there if we do this. I mean, this is what he's saying. This is really what God's saying through Peter. You want to know what mutual submission looks like? Somebody reviles you like last week, and just like Jesus, you don't revile back. Somebody rails against you, and, you know, they deserve it. Probably a little more. But instead, what do we do? We give them a blessing. All right, this is Jesus. This is how he submitted. This is how Christians are to submit. And then chasing. It says in verse 11, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it or pursue it. Like we should, you want to know what, what chasing peace looks like? You, you revile me and I don't. 
you rail against me and I give you blessing. That's how you chase peace. Like we should actually run after it. That's what ensue or pursue means there. So look, in this gospel transform and grace-fueled submission, God's desired effect, uh, his desired purpose happens. Let's not detach us from way back in 2.9. Chapter 2, verse 9, where this whole section kind of began, he said, I have called you from darkness into my marvelous light that you will show forth my praises by the way you live. And here's how you do it. So like when you and I submit to governments and to masters and to husbands and to wives and to, to each other here in the church, we sing the gospel through our life. When we do this, we proclaim God's glory and the gospel through our lives, all right, with, with actions that reinforce those words. It's a loud and clear song that Jesus is worthy, that he is beyond precious, that he is more than enough. Yeah, I'd like to, when I get railing, you know what I want to do? I want to rail back. I do. Because that's the natural thing. Uh, Submission's not natural. But this is what God has called us to. And so when we do that, because it is unnatural, they see Jesus. They see Jesus in us. You know, a gospel track is great. We've got some out there on the benches. Please take them. Give them out. But when you live this way, this is a powerful gospel proclamation. It really is. So the question Peter gives, is your life gospel transformed? Is your marriage gospel transformed? Uh, is, is your church, is our church gospel transformed? Because we all, in, our, in the way we live, at work, and in our homes, in our church, we do this. We say, I'm going to use all of my time and all of my talents and all of my resources for your benefit. Because just like Jesus did, I want to love you. I want to submit to you that way. I want to serve you that way. I want to sacrifice for you that way. Is God praised by a submission that sings faith? Tommy's going to come here, and uh, we're going to sing, I surrender all. Uh, look, um, you know what? If you never surrendered to Jesus Christ, what we've described here is not only unnatural, but almost, really, you're, it's incapable. We couldn't do this without the Holy Spirit in our lives and without the Word of God influencing, influencing us to do this. But... Um, so the first step is coming to him. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I, I ask you to come today and receive him. All right, uh, call on him and confess your sins, and he will you know, tr- trust in Jesus for salvation from sins. Uh, but maybe you're like, this is unnatural, God. I need help. You know, husbands and wives, um, moms and dads, church members, maybe you just need to come and plead. Say, God, I need help to live this way. I want to live this way that the gospel will be proclaimed. However God's moving you to respond today, I just ask that you'd obey.